Good morning, church. Morning, good morning. We are um, this week and next week, and we'll be kind of drawing near our our Titus and uh, our, our sermon series on Titus. And then on the twentieth, um, Carl Gady from Tutapona is going to be here to preach. So we'll uh, we'll hear from uh, from Tutapona and our mission partners uh, across the world. Uh, they're in a number of countries. So the twentieth. But today we are still in Titus at chapter three. And we're going to be at, uh, starting at verse 3. We're going to read a few verses. Chapter 3, verse 3 of Titus. If you'd like to follow along, you can grab the Bibles under the seats. Titus 3, 3. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. Does that cover everybody here so far? Are we covered? Okay. Verse 4, but when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us richly through Jesus, Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by His grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. The saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. The word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful for your word, for the truth, Lord, that scripture reminds us that your word is alive and it's active. It goes to work shaping and correcting us. And each one of us need that this morning. We, we need to be shaped by your hands, Father. Would you come and do your work, pour out your spirit on us once again, empty me of myself, and fill me with your spirit to overflowing, that the words in my mouth and the meditations of our hearts might be acceptable in your sight, for you are our strength and our salvation. And all God's people say, Amen. Amen. Well, a little brief recap here for everybody. Uh, Titus has been commissioned by the Apostle Paul to go to the Isle of Crete and to set the house churches that are there in order. Titus was this Greek follower of Jesus, companion of Paul who accompanied him on a number of missions. And he helped Paul out in some crisis situations in the past. So he was well suited to kind of deal with the issues here on Crete. And the culture of Crete was just notorious in the ancient world. You might remember this. To give you a little context uh, of just what Crete was like, one of the Greek words that, you, that we know uh, in the ancient world was Critizio. It means to be a liar. It also means to be a Cretan. Critizio, to be a liar. So even though there were Christian churches there, they were up against both the assaults from outside of themselves, the culture and the world against their faith, and they had to deal with their own inner struggles of being shaped by this kind of notoriously upside down and deceitful culture. The churches had been led astray by Cretan leaders, don't know exactly in what ways, but they were in trouble, things weren't good, and Titus has been given some detailed instruction in this letter on how he was to proceed with this task of setting the Christians and the churches there on the right path. That's my summary. So this three little chapter letter that we get, chapters one, two, and three, we're coming to the close here, is divided up into three different areas of life. You might remember this too in the last weeks. Paul wants Titus to address and call the Christians on Crete to a higher purpose in each of these areas. Those three areas of ministry, actually, are this. How we live in the church, how we live in our homes, and how we are as Christians out there in the world. 
And there's a strong word in this text that I just read. A word that Paul uses to emphasize the importance of the calling he is placing on Titus and the power of these ministry opportunities that the people of Crete and all of us have in our day-to-day lives. Look at verse 8. <clears throat> you can underline this word. This saying is trustworthy and true. I want you to what? Insist or stress these things so that those who believe in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. Insist on these things. At the end of chapter 2, after chapter 2, verse 15, if you turn back a page, Paul says to Titus, Declare these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority, let no one disregard you. So he's really giving, laying a, a mantle out for, for Titus on, on how he's to be dealing with the people of Christ. He says, you know, have, speak with authority. It's important. Give it to him. Encourage, correct with authority. And then in chapter 3, here's just what he's telling Titus. He says, with this authority, insist that people follow through on these callings and behaviors throughout the the behaviors and callings that are coming throughout this entire letter. Why? Because these things are excellent and profitable for people. The end of verse 8 there. And as, as he's been emphasizing throughout the letter, when people live these out, they benefit both themselves, their, themselves and the Christians, and the non-Christians. <laughs> When we live in the community, community in the way that Titus is, is, is being called to lay it out for the people of Crete, when we live in community in these ways, it blesses us as Christians. Hey, you know what? It turns out God knows what's best. Turns out God knows what's best. And that sometimes runs against our feelings and emotions. It might run against what, we, what, what the world says. It, it, but it turns out that God does know so few things about what's best for community. He created it. And he also knows that along with that, as we live them out, there's this powerful witness for people. Those in our lives who who don't know Jesus. It's a win-win. So as the letter is coming near the end, Paul is going to now bring us back to some foundation. Kind of a remembering and an insisting on the things that he's been talking about, on these good works. But he says this in the text for today. It isn't in order to oppress God. It's not about being worthy of salvation to do these good works or to gain any kind of points or or jewels in your crown. It's for your neighbor. It's so people can see Christ in who we are and how we act and work and live as Christians. Paul tells Titus, insist that people reflect God's grace for good, that they are living out good works in the church, in their home, and in the world. But in chapter 3, Paul also says to Titus, but remember... You're not doing this in order to be saved. I said it a few weeks ago. God doesn't need your good works. But your neighbor does. God uses your good works to serve and save your neighbor. And it's excellent and profitable for all people. Paul reminds Titus of this important fact in verse 4 and 5. Look at this. Verse 4 and 5, there are three. He says, But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared... He saved us, underline, not because of works done by us. Which is so interesting because he's talking about how we are to live you know, in the church, how we're to live in our homes, how we're to live out there in the culture, how we are to do you know, good works, by God's, empowered by God's grace. But he's like, not because of works done by us. That's not how we're saved. In right, works in righteousness, but according to his own mercy. 
Remember, doing good work and living out the gospel in these areas isn't about your salvation. It, that's a gift. That's been wrapped up. However, we are to do good, to show the world love and grace and forgiveness and hope and peace so that people want to know Jesus. In a sense, Paul is saying to us in this letter that Christians are both saved from and they are saved for. We are saved from hell, condemnation, sin, death, and the devil. That's the gift that God gives. And we're saved for a life that is lived in thankful response to that gift whereby we live out the gospel for others. We show good works to them. So now at the end of the letter, Paul reminds us of this fact. And then he comes back to this gospel. He reminds us, like, it's not about you know, works. You're going to do good works, but it's not about salvation. And he wants to make sure that we don't get that wrong. That we understand clearly what saves us and how salvation impacts us and through us the world. And so Paul does this beautiful gospel presentation in the chapter. Did you hear how he, he talks about the gospel in the verses that I read? Verses 4, 5, 6. It's this concise, powerful, and moving kind of gospel presentation. And he just nails it. Verse 3. We were lost and broken, rebellious, disobedient, slaves to our flesh, right? He just... He just he, he poignantly nails our broken condition. And, and you might kind of go, well, see, that sounds a little bit extreme. I'm not sure. But here's the truth. We're talking about a holy God and us. And that difference is you can't quantify it. You can't, you know, if God is this many stacks of bricks high, we're, we're, not, we're not even a brick. <laughs> you know, I mean, what, you, know, we're, we're, it, you can't quantify the difference between us and God. So when you're talking about gossip, or the little lies that we do, or the ways that we kind of get around, and you know, it's a big difference. <laughs> it's a huge difference. And in God's eyes, that between that and killing somebody is pretty, pretty, it's way down there, right? You know what I'm saying? We got a holy God. So when you hear that list, you go, that sounds really extreme. The reality is, you know, thou shalt not kill. Well, anybody ever had somebody's words just kill them? Kill, you feel just destroyed, right? So we have this holy God. We are saved from. But we are also saved for. He nails this broken condition. And then he lays out, he speaks the truth about our, our nature, what the problem is. Apart from God, God's grace and mercy, we're done for. And then in verse 4, but God, but when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared. But God, this statement, <laughs> I just love it. I just love when in verse, he goes, but God. He, you know, but when God appeared. Makes all the difference. That statement is a game changer in our life and in our world. When the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared. But God, this statement is literally the power of God breaking in the love and forgiveness of God, crashing through this broken world into our broken lives. It is the power of God come down to save you and me. But God, we were lost, but God saves. Ephesians 2, 3 says, we were by nature creatures of wrath. That's what Paul says in, in Ephesians 2. We were by nature creatures, we, by nature we deserve judgment and condemnation, but God, but God, what God does is break in with salvation. And here's what it looks like when we receive it. And you can see this in, in the text here in Titus. We get it through the washing of regeneration, for the renewal of the Holy Spirit, that we're justified by His grace, that we become heirs of eternal. I mean, we should all be like, we should have a dance party right now. 
It's, it's, it's almost too sterile to, to read these kind of texts in, in this kind of a deal. We, sh- we should just be like kicking up our heels. It's incredible. Praise God. He's in the business of transformation. He's in the business of resurrection. Anybody need a little of that this morning? I didn't have a perfect week. How about you? That's what God wants, not just for you and me, but for everyone. And here's the purpose that we're getting to in, in, Titus, in the book of Titus. When you go back to Timothy, the letter that Paul wrote to Timothy, and you can just write this verse down in, in Timothy 2, verses 1 through 6a. In Timothy 2, Pastor Greg mentioned it last week, where he talks about you know, pray for rulers and authorities at the beginning of that in, 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 in 1 Timothy 2, 1. And he says, because God desires all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of truth. That's what it says in those verses. That we know God's heart. We know what God desires. God is not going after a country club. Amen? God is going after all people. Everyone. He desires all to be saved and come to the knowledge of truth. Everyone. That's why he sent Jesus. And how do you expect, how does he expect to do that? How is he going to accomplish salvation in this world for all people? It's called the church, the people of God. It's you and me. God wants to extend the same mercy that saved us, the same grace that lifted us, the same forgiveness that heals us, the same power that raises us from the dead. He wants to extend that same gift through us to others. Are you with me here? Are we, are we asleep? I'm pumped up this morning. Here's the great thing. I don't care what you do for a living. I don't care what capabilities you have. I don't care how, how kind of your body is able or unable or, or older or young. It doesn't matter. Any of it doesn't matter because we have, a, we have an eternal purpose in everything that we do. Every conversation, every act, there is an eternal purpose to it. Can I get an amen? Isn't that amazing? Everything we do, how we live within the church, how we live within our homes, how we live out there in the world can point to Jesus. God can and will use it to save others. He desires all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. And here's where we see the power and importance of Paul's words to the Cretans, through Titus, and to us. It's why Paul is so anxious for Christians to live out good works in this world. Why he's saying, you know, say this with authority and insist on these things. Not because they can then prove their worth or their salvation or get right with God. That happens by God's gift. But there's a whole bunch of people that don't know him. Amen? We can do it through our words and our deeds. Let me, let me tell you something. Some of the best evangelists in this church over the years have not been me or our staff. It's been junior high kids inviting other friends to confirmation. It's been youth group kids inviting kids to youth group. Not some great theologians. It's been young families inviting another young family's church. Some of our best evangelists are people just willing to invite. 
And, 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 and living this out, whether it's in the church or in our homes or out there in the world, Paul gives us this great image of what that looks like in Colossians chapter 3. These are some of my favorite verses. Write this down or go there. Colossians 3, verses 12. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. Here's what this looks like in the church, in our homes, and in the world. Paul says, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another. If one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you also must forgive. And above all these things, put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing songs and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word and deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Underline that last verse. You can keep your fingers there. We're going to come back there. Okay. I think that Pastor Greg and I, uh, that, that we've hit all of this pretty hard over the last few weeks, what I've, what I've just been saying. Because obviously that's what this whole letter to Titus is all about. So I'm going to stop. And at this point, I want us to take stock. Are you ready to get uncomfortable? At this point, let's look in the mirror and let's ask ourselves these questions about these three very important areas that Paul says to Timothy, insist on these things and the mission that we have in those areas. Places, these three areas that we can live out the gospel, a gospel invitation to others. So let's look at them briefly and ask that questions. Are we doing that? Through these areas, are we making a difference for the kingdom? Well, when it comes to church, one of the things that, that, that Paul tells Titus about putting the church in order is he talks about authority. And he talks about those in authority uh, have to be held to a higher standard. Everybody agree with that? Everybody agree with that? If, you, if you're a public figure and you're in authority and you're in the church, you should be held to a higher standard? Amen. Right? I, everybody should raise their hand. Because otherwise, I'm going to go rogue and do something I shouldn't. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm just you, you understand what I mean? That's important. And so you hold me accountable. And over the years, I've been held accountable in this church by the authority that is over this church, by the council or by uh, our, our denominational groups. And we, we you know, talk and, you, and we, come in, we come underneath that authority. That's important. You have to have authority in your life. Talked about that early on. Here's the other thing, though. The other side of this is, number one, I am held to a higher responsibility because of my position, and I should be. And so feel free to come in and talk to me, <laughs> please. Because it's about Jesus, not about me. The other side of this is this. I'm called, Pastor Greg is called, the leaders in this church are called to hold you accountable to the things that are talked about in this letter. You understand what I mean? And here's what I'm finding these days, and this is a hard thing to say, but I'm going to be honest. People, people do not like accountability. <laughs> They want to be encouraged and they want to be celebrated, but they don't want somebody to go, hey, that's an issue. 
And I'm, I'm not calling you out because I think that because I have some agenda for you or because I don't like you or your family or because of, uh, do you understand what I'm saying? And we come up with all sorts of goofy things in our heads as to why we're going to disregard Pastor Dave. I'm not saying everybody. I'm just saying that there's a tendency, I think, to just want encouragement and not correction. Amen? You see what I'm saying? So the other side of this is that, is that Paul is telling Titus, you have to have leadership in the church that also holds people accountable in the church for the things that we're talking about here. So I'm asking you, will you allow me to speak into your life? If you come to me for marriage counseling or counseling, those of you who have, you know that uh, I'll say things that maybe you don't like to hear. And I might not be 100% right about, but I'm going to say what God lays in my heart, and we'll process that together. But then I'm also going to send you in some encouragement. <laughs> we'll also talk, you know what I'm saying? There's, it's a both hand. So the first thing here is that we, we have to have people in our lives that are over us, and then we have to also be reaching out and dealing with people. Because that was the other part of having, you know, in this letter too, about mentoring and, and you know, authority and having people over us. So that's the first thing. We want to help you grow for Jesus' sake. So whether it's marriage counseling or personal counseling or struggles of faith, my door's open. Come on in. And then let's talk. And hold me to a high standard. Number two, how's it going in your home? <laughs> oh, let's not talk about that. <laughs> Relationships are hard, aren't they? It's hard to die to yourself, isn't it? I mean, when you look at what love is in, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, you're dying in that, in that chapter. You're serving somebody else. It isn't about you. Now, when it functions well, you both are serving each other and you get what you need because it's going so well. You're hitting on all cylinders. But if it's not going well, the temptation is, well, then forget it. I'm not giving my stuff there. I'm not putting my effort in. I'm not going to love. You see what I'm saying? Mm-mm. We serve. Christ died for us. We serve. Is your primary goal to serve your parents? To serve your spouse? To serve your children? Or is it to get something? Or be right? Are you quick to forgive? Do you hold grudges? Do you look for opportunities to get back at somebody? Or do you look for opportunities to share the gospel by forgiving one another? I've said this before, in our home, we don't talk about I'm sorry, we say, I forgive you in Jesus' name. Will you forgive me? I forgive, we use the word. We practice it. We're not perfect. I'm not saying we're, we're a perfect home. I'm just saying that's one, that's one way we practice it. Do you forgive? Forgiveness is powerful and it is real. And when we exercise that, when we truly forgive each other, the world sees it and senses it, that there's something different in our relationships because we're not walking around bitter. Unforgiveness is a bitter pill. Amen? It will kill you. It will kill you. People are drawn and want to know that Jesus is at work in this world, and we can, we can show that through how we forgive. And I love in this text, you know, it talks about like bear with one another. That Colossians text, I just love that. Bear with one another. You know, it's like, it's like come on, shoulder up underneath each other. Let's carry the burden together. It's not easy being in a relationship. So let's not do it alone. And let's be empowered by the gift of the gospel and the work of the Spirit in us. And I love when Paul says, and put on love. Wear it. Get up every day. And What's your favorite sweatshirt? You know the one that you want to wear to work, but you can't? 
Paul says, get up every day and just put it on. Person last night didn't deserve, doesn't deserve love? Doesn't matter. Paul says, put it on. Serve them. I'm not saying be abused. I'm not saying that. Okay? But I am saying how we love matters in our homes. It's why if you come to me for marriage counseling, I'm going to tell you right off the bat, my goal is to keep you together because that's a good witness. Now, it doesn't always work that way. There's brokenness in the world, and I get it. And then there's forgiveness. Do you understand what I'm saying? Finally, we live in the world how we do that in such a manner that people want to know who Jesus is because of how we are. So here's the thing. Are you praying for our nation, our state, our country, our city, and our leadership that are actually in place? And then are you praying for the election? Are you praying for the world, for the Ukraine? Are you, are you, are you ready for every good work, as it says? Do you look for opportunities out there in the world to showcase Jesus' love, compassion, and grace? In verse 2 of, of Timothy 3, we're where we are, it says, Paul says that Christians must show perfect courtesy towards all people. Man, I wish he didn't say that. It's really a lot easier to show perfect courtesy towards the people I want to show perfect courtesy towards that I think deserve it, right? One of my favorite Wendell Berry poems, I've said this before, I love poetry. My mom gave me the gift of poetry. One of my favorite poems by Wendell Berry, and he says, love your neighbors, not the ones you want, but the ones you have. Look for opportunities to showcase God's love. Have perfect courtesy towards all. So how's that going for you? Do you understand how God is reaching out through you to others? I think when we acknowledge and accept that fact, which is sometimes maybe not a responsibility we want, <laughs> but when we receive it and accept it, it changes our attitudes and our understanding of not only the people we're, we're working with, whether it's in our family or outside, it, it transforms each, each, each conversation, each interaction, it, it, every moment, every situation. It isn't just about the topics you're discussing or the politics you're, you're debating. God wants to use Use that conversation to draw people to him. We're going to end in 1 Peter. If you turn to 1 Peter chapter 4, I'm not going to expound on this. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to read it. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7. Kind of highlights the importance of what's going on here and why this is why he's saying insist on this. 1 Peter chapter 4. That's towards the back of the Bible after Titus, if you can't find it. 1 Peter 4, 7. Listen, the end of all things is at hand. <laughs> you feel a little bit of a weight come down when they hear that? The end, this is serious business. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled, sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. Whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies. In order that everything, underline it, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. You have an eternal purpose. Everything you do, every conversation you have, this is a huge calling in every area. But listen... We have a God who's present, who comes, who pours himself out for us and pours himself into us by the power of the Holy Spirit to guide and to fill, to give us even words that we need in the right situation or tell us to be quiet in the right situation, who will guide our hearts and our minds, 
who gives us the strength we need. And so I invite you this morning to rest in Him and let Him use you for good. God pours out His grace on us for good. So let's strive to do good so that our lives may be an invitation for others to know God's good grace. Let's pray. Father, we, we, we admit that all of these areas where if you're not present and working in our lives, they go sideways real quick and it becomes about us or our agendas or our wants and desires. And, and that's where sin comes and, and is, comes into full bloom. But Lord, when we know that our lives are for you, that our lives are not our own, as Scripture says, but we live and do all things for you, whether it's plumbing or, or farming or teaching or in the healthcare industry, it doesn't, all of it, every conversation, whether we're changing a diaper or, 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 or uh, having a date night or having a discussion with somebody and a disagreement, all of it, Lord, is for you. And so, Father, would you pour out your spirit? Would you give us wisdom and discernment? Would you pour out your grace, Lord? And let us live a life of thanks for the salvation that's ours through Jesus Christ. May we live out good works to show your good grace. We ask this in Jesus' name. And all God's people say,